apps of corporate and investment banking lead the conversation on future investment possibilities and sustainable growth opportunities in resources and energy. China is the cornerstone. You know, if you look at the whole electric vehicle boom, which we're, which we're currently sitting on, I think it's predominantly going to be driven by what the demand in China is. You know, if you see a tapering off of China, I think naturally you will see a tapering off of demand as well as the renewable prices. Matching foresight with sustainable possibilities to unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights, hosted by Bruce Whitfield. Brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. Welcome to this latest edition of the APSA Insights series. We're looking at natural resources and energy. And Africa is blessed with a plethora of options when it comes to natural resources. And in a new world of clean energy, Also, it is a leader in many of the commodities required to make the just energy transition everybody is talking about at the moment. Tawanda Madondo is the banker in natural resources and energy at APSA Corporate and Investment Bank, and he's with us on this latest APSA Insights. We've seen an astonishing rally in commodity prices generally over, I don't know, the last 18 months or so after the initial crash, of course, that was brought about by COVID-19. The recovery has been nothing short of extraordinary. Has it been as significant, other than oil, which we know is elevated, but has it been significant across the commodities that go to the just energy transition as well, Tawanda? So my perspective really is just around what's happening in China. So, I mean, when you tend to look at the minerals, which um, I suppose make up the main basket around um, this renewable energy, if you look at something like copper, I mean, we have seen quite, you know, a strong rally, circa 30% increase um, just this year. But on the back of that, you know, I mean, it's predominantly on supply issues. One needs to look at, you know, the issues happening in Chile, in South America, just around, you know, think they're in one of the longest protracted droughts, which is bringing, you know, presses just around the mining there. You have to look at what's happening in China. I think we've all seen, you know, in the last couple of months, some of the electricity shortages in which they're going through. Obviously, this plays a big impact in the refining of copper. Um, you also look at the real estate industry, which is going through a bit of pressure in China, which is bringing some, also some nervousness to the copper price. You know, so, so I think it goes back to my initial comment that, you know, it all really depends on what's happening in China. It's weird, isn't it, how real estate is having an impact on things like copper prices, but it is when the backbone of an economy is at under threat, there is a holdback. People do tend to panic out of production and tend to think, hold on a second, we won't be wiring buildings for a long time, <laughs> so let's stop making electrical cables for, for argument's sake. Is China the epicenter of global demand? I mean, even in this just energy transition, you would think that the demand would be absolutely enormous in all corners of the globe, considering that people want to make this transition as quickly, cleanly, as efficiently and effectively as possible. China is the cornerstone. You know, if you look at the whole electric vehicle boom, which we're, which we're currently sitting on, I think it's predominantly going to be driven by what the demand in China is. You know, if you look at China's industrialization uh, since 2000, which is really the backbone of quite a lot of these commodity prices, you know, if you see a tapering off of China, I think naturally you will see a tapering off of 
demand as well as prices across the renewable prices. Yet there is a huge transition happening in, for example, vehicles and vehicle manufacture. We saw the Tesla valuation rocket recently to over a trillion dollars. It becomes one of, I think, three or four companies worth over a trillion dollars. And it's also the company that's reached a trillion dollar valuation in the shortest period of time in history, 18 years from startup to present to get to that huge valuation. And it, it comes with this this huge boom in demand for electric vehicles, for example. And we've seen a number of the world's leading marks announce that by 2030 and other dates, they will stop making internal combustion engines. Now, that's brilliant from a, a climate point of view. It's terrible from a PGM point of view because PGMs go into the catalytic converters, but it's really good for many of the other minerals that we have on our continent. I think it will be very positive if you look at stuff like platinum. That's also going to be used in this new electric boom. Yeah. Um, that will provide the fundamentals around platinum in the long term. If you look at the platinum price, it's come off largely as a result of the chip shortage, which we're currently going through. So that will sort itself out. I mean, everyone's talking about that is going to be rectified in time to come. And you look at copper, right? Uh, I know it's the second time I've come back to copper, but you know, you do have a natural divergence of supply, which will meet demand. So, you know, for I think countries like Zambia and DRC, you are going to see elevated copper prices. Still to come in this EPSA Insights podcast. It's around inclusivity. And for me, the best deal for us as Africans really is, I think, playing into the ESG themes, deals which talk to what is this mine going to do for the community. APSA Insights. Are they able to capture the opportunity that these elevated prices bring? I mean, we've seen Zambia's fiscal position deteriorate very substantially. They've got a new government, a young and energetic president, and things are looking up politically from that perspective. We've got nearly 60% of the vote in the last elections. But is Zambia structured in a way that allows it to really take advantage, like South Africa has failed over many years, to beneficiate properly its natural resources? Have the Zambians got a better shot at actually getting real value for money out of their resources? That's a bit of a personal view. It's all good and well. We have a new government in Zambia. Mm. But personally, I do feel it's going to be much of the same in terms of how much value we extract. To really get the full value of the Zambian mining sector, I think one needs to look at the logistical challenges. It has been a number of years and they're still not sorted out. I mean, they're still trucking the copper down to our ports here. You, you look at South Africa, for example, I think, you know, transnet issues in the last week or so, you know, and, and for me, it's, these are all things which unfortunately interfere in us being able to capture the elevated prices which we're currently in. People talk a lot about the Africa Free Trade Agreement, and we talk a lot about intra-country trade and greater collaboration and cooperation, and then trucks sit at bike bridge with no toilet facilities for drivers and queues of 10 kilometers and longer. And you almost want to despair at the logistics problems that many countries have, particularly landlocked countries who need access to ports. There's got to be an opportunity and collaboration across borders and across countries. There has to be a a smarter way of doing things. You know, I think um, the EU setup, the way they're able to move between borders effortlessly, um, I think to your point, that's what we really need um, amongst our borders facilitators. When we look at prospects, for the resources industry in South Africa. I mean, it's all there. I mean, not in South Africa, in the African continent. It's all there. It's waiting to be drilled, sucked, piped, mined, 
dug, blasted, whatever means of extraction you're going to use. It is there for the taking in a resource-hungry world. We run the risk, I fear, of missing out on the last gasp, certainly for things like oil and some natural gases, for example, um, if we don't get them out of the ground soon enough to feed a market that still wants them. It's changing, and I think for the better. That's what I've, I think, observed over the last couple of years in this space. You go back a couple of years, South Africa used to be the beacon of you know how easy it is to do mining on the continent. But I think in the last couple of years, places like Ghana and the whole West Africa region have really set themselves apart in terms of legislation, policies to, to entice investment to come into that region. And what you generally see, I think a, a large part of the new projects and new developments actually happening out there in the West Africa region, which is very positive for me. So what is the outlook? Give me a perspective on the outlook. I know Africa is not a country. It's an enormous continent. It's 1.2 billion people and growing with huge natural resources reserves. What is the outlook for this continent? Broad picture in terms of our ability to capitalize on what geography and geology has gifted us. I think the outlook is extremely positive. I think generally what you naturally see is that I think there are some challenging jurisdictions which are going to be, be out there, you know, predominant in the Southern Africa region. But in the West Africa region, I do feel, um, and we are seeing a lot of projects uh, which are being moved up the value chain. So these are new gold mines which are opening up. You know, there's quite a strong pipeline of these new projects as opposed to coming to fruition. So I'm, I'm very positive around that. What also gives me confidence as well is to just given where we tend to see where prices will be for quite a vast basket of these commodity prices, given Africa's vast resources, a lot of them do give good returns to the investors and definitely will be pushed through. I think one should bear in mind that at the current moment, I think a lot of players are sitting on excess cash. I think the upswing in prices over the last 18 months has been good to them. And a lot of them are being responsible in terms of, you know, they've cleaned up their balance sheets, repaid their debt. And, you know, I suppose the question now is what next, right? And um, what next is to go to these new frontiers and harvest what they can. And as much as I want investors to do well, they take risk, they put in capital, they get a reward and a return, and that is brilliant. How do we ensure that we, as Africans on this continent, get the best possible deal for what is beneath our soil? It's around inclusivity. And for me, the best deal for us as Africans really is, I think, playing into the ESG themes, deals which talk to what is this mind going to do for the community? jobs, you know, dividends coming through, those are the best deals for us because I think those allow us to be able to, to invest and to garner new opportunities for, for future generations. Tawanda Madondo, thank you very much indeed. He's a banker in natural resources and energy at APSA Corporate and Investment Bank. Expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights, matching foresight with sustainable possibilities. Brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. For more, visit apsainsights.co.za.